0: we
1: This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Steve. Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast at Gen Con. 2015 folks. Your podcast of trying to do a podcast over the sound of people hanging around for no good reason. (laughs) Yeah 150,000
2: people last year I would love to see the numbers for this one.
1: Yeah it's this place is really really packed. I've been here since Wednesday, and so you Trav. Yep. Steve here has been here since Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh. Okay. So you're you're really up here on the whole Kickstarter um, business track, right? Or yeah. You just, yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. So, and they do have a program that runs, uh, and like Wednesday, there's mostly just that kind of stuff. But we, I was able to get into a game on Wednesday night. Okay. So. Yeah, I spent the day Wednesday going to uh, lectures on how to succeed at these things. Right. There's a a really strong Kickstarter community out there, and they uh, go to places like DragonCon and GenCon to really pass that information around. Yeah, the Exploding Kittens card game
2: was at the AdMagic booth, and they were just there to let people know, okay, we're out, we're doing this, and they've mailed out all their The prizes for the Kickstarter. So yeah, they were really big here, and that's the big gaming Kickstarter right now. It's a card game like Cards Against Humanity and all that. Just
1: right. Yeah, booth was packed. Yeah, I had one person who stopped me and said, "Hey, do you know that that game, card games versus humanity?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. I've you know, uh, I've I've hosted it a couple of times." They said, "Well, our card our card games like that, except not as profane." So they're trying to come up. That with, would be apples to apples. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And it was, but it was basically they were trying to come up with a more friendly, family, family-friendly one, and that I think is a kind of a, a, a theme, actually. You know, a, a background goal of Gen Con this year, because I've seen a lot more families. Oh here. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my games, uh, which was the Hardwire Hinterland game, uh, was. A family of four. I mean, mom, dad, you know, wow. okay. t- uh, you know, twelve-year-old kid, a boy, and like an eight-year-old girl, and then one other guy. Who tried to run the t- the table the entire time? <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I was uh, I was talking to uh, Jay Libby of G Corps yes. Just prior to the convention, he's mm-hmm. removed all lethal weapons from his games. Yeah, okay. Oh wow. Yeah, he yeah. he
1: was doing a big thing with that uh, in in the past. You know where he was trying to change all of his his games to be non-violent for a number of reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, I personally love that idea because I think people should do that a lot more in games. I mean, in fringeworthy, we did a whole podcast on non lethal weaponry. Yeah, you know, but unless you literally take those and place them in the player's hands, they never think of that. Their go to is the nine millimeter handgun yeah. and the ak forty seven. And it's really hard for them a lot of times to just go and say, well, I, you know, and it, and it depends on your game, of course, because if you have a game that's realistic, where they have to wait maybe five or th- six rounds before like a gas or something like yeah. that takes effect, then yeah, that's really dangerous. I mean, you're taking a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. But most games have this kind of like save or fall unconscious yeah. thing, and so you really can do that. And uh, I think I would like to see a lot more people do that sort of thing in games because... You know, it, what well, I guess would be reasonable violence or, you know, uh, only necessary violence yeah. would be nice to have in games where the goal of the game is not to slaughter everything in sight. Right.
2: You're not doing the games with the kill factor or, you know, experience points, kill factor. You're giving them ways to, okay, we've subdued the opponent. We can take him as a prisoner. We can get information from him. And you learn more of that. You can't question a dead man. You know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, only, only in A, D, and D does that work.
1: Yeah.
0: I was actually telling Bruce right before we got up here about a game I ran at Fringeworthy today mm-hmm. that was the entire campaign, well the entire adventure, not a single act of violence occurred. There was threats of violence, there was there was angry cultists ready to lynch the party, but the party retreated instead of confronting, and they dealt with everything in a non-lethal manner. It was okay. really surprising. Mm-hmm. wish I could say that. I did have
2: some fights in my games, but still... <laughs> Yeah, they thought first and all the, it was like, okay, rocket launcher over there. There was no like direct contact as close as I have. But yeah, I do see that. Because families are getting into games more. Parents, the three of us. Mm -hmm. We are becoming more conscientious of what our kids are getting into what they're doing. They're seeing mom and dad play these games. and then they want to join. We realize some subject matter we don't want to <laughs> expose them to yet. Right. So yeah, it's a good move that they're doing this and if you can make an existing game more family friendly, fine. If you make a new game that everyone can play, that's fine too mm-hmm. because you're raising the kids right so to speak. You're teaching them how to use these skills and games and enjoy them and that on. right.
1: You know, cuz we, we don't want to teach that life is cheap in our games. Right. Okay? Really know. And in, even in the earliest of D&D when it came out, you know, uh, every chart where they had like monsters and you had random encounters, there was a 50/50 chance that that monster was actually positive, mm-hmm. not negative. And a lot of people have forgotten that so that every time that they run into a monster it's always negative, and and that's why we refer to them as murder hobos, because that's all they do is go around killing things.
2: In books, they do not do their experience point purely by a kill system. It's if you plan, use your skills, properly or not, it's all a thinking man's game. Then they'll get to the bottom and it's like, minor, uh, moderate, major menace. Other than that, all the other methods you get for experience points are due to how well you think and plan and do things nonviolently so. They did that. They've been doing that for, you know, thirty years, that type of skill. But it's because Kevin Sabita did not like the kill. That. You know, kill to get experience points type of thing. He
0: wanted you to think of the games. Well, you know, you guys with uh, Fringe that you have the thing where if no violence occurs, you yeah. earn that big bonus, bonus on experience. Right. Yes, yeah. I almost well, never
2: saw that in my campaign. Yeah. But and that was from did, the beginning. It was
1: big. Yeah. yeah, back in 1983.
2: Yeah, that was always there. I I had been raised where it's kill factor for experience. So when I first got into like Incursion 20 years ago, I look at that and it just or my mind's like, okay, this system is different because yeah, you're killing, you're not getting as much experience as you think, you get more. It just, it took me a while because I that's all I've been exposed to. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing to have that. Yeah. I think a few more games should do that, especially now that we have more kids playing. Right. And like you said, what, 12 and 8?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also good for the characters who don't have killing is their strong skills. I mean, the, ki- the characters that are, that are more technical, the characters that are more, you know, the face people, as well, we I, refer to them. I, in, I mean, those people are getting hurt by games in which the only thing you get bonuses for is shooting people.
2: Yeah, I possibly. had, I had in, my, in the game I just ran, the uh, Talbot's Raider, Bureau 13, for Rookie. Only one of them was really a combatant. There was a tech geek, a housewife, a nun, a research scientist, and a nurse. And then the army lieutenant. So yeah, I kind of made it where you guys are gonna have to think. And you got the one guy who can shoot if you need it. So yeah, it, it that kill system would have hurt that entire party.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So uh, uh, back to the whole family thing. Is it? I think one of the reasons that this is that, that we're seeing that is because the, the gaming population seems to be aging. And we're seeing a lot more people. Or literally, I mean, my wife and I, you know, are here, and we're, you know, most people look at, you know, us like you know almost a grandparent type thing, you know, and uh, and so my son, and but I brought my son. Okay, he's right. here. If you so, had made that comment around him, he just went. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I don't see myself that way either because right. I'm not. I mean, right. my, you know, uh, we had our family late. So, but yeah. the point still is, is that you have a whole lot of families here now. They're using GenCon as a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it isn't just a bunch of 20-year-olds all packing into a hotel room. They're actually doing a whole thing. So this is good for the convention because it, you because know, people who come with their families actually have more money. Yes. Okay, and they are, you know, and believe me, you know, the little kid grabbing on the mommy or daddy, say, buy this for me, is an easier sell than uh, you reaching into your pocket as a twenty-year-old and saying, okay, I can eat or I can buy this supplement. Yeah. You know. And that's a little harder to do too. Yeah. And trying to keep someone, a five-year-old,
2: from the dealer's room. hmm Good luck. That's why you're trying to take kid down cereal aisle. Right. Right? It does not happen. Again, we're all parents. We know this. Right. And so yeah, it's. You're going to be getting a major influx of money
1: because right. of these families. Right. And I, and in a way, I've, I've never really liked Gen Con and their their idea of, of basically paying for game sessions, but that has kept the registration thing low. I mean, it's $85 at the door for a four day convention. Okay, I mean, I'm in, from Atlanta. We have Dragon Con. It's $120 to $130. Right. $85 for the four day? It's, it's 90 for the four day. Is it? $99, today. Yes. I saw it downstairs. It was like, well, anyways. The yeah, point is that that's. Sti- I mean, and of course, if you buy in advance, it's you know it's considerably cheaper. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of don't like that. Mm-hmm. But see, if you you know if you don't have money to come and play games, then of course you can you know go and uh, you know play lots of demos. There's lots and yeah, lots yeah. of demos that are free. So there's plenty of entertainment without actually doing it. Seminars like crazy. You know and. Of course, what we do, you know, is that we come and we run games, which we do anyways because we love to run tri-tech games, but for three games with, four, you know, six people in the game for four hours each, we get a free ticket. Right. So, you know, for us it, it's the our major expenses are housing and transportation and is food. not actually, you know, and, food, and, yes. and, spousal, and spousal activities. Spousal activities here at Gen Con is, has exploded. Yes. I mean, there's like, from last year to now, it must be at least three times as many spousal activities as there were. And, and uh, of course, somebody's making some money because right. almost every one of these activities is like $25 you
2: know? Oh yeah. yeah, they saw that and they just went, "Ooh, there's an idea. We have a niche market." Yep,
1: yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And cosplay's exploding, which is—it's all age groups. Oh experts. yes, okay. yeah. Well, that—that's that, that doesn't actually bring money to Gen Con, I don't think, but it certainly brings a lot of money to people in the in the community in the mm-hmm. sense that they have to buy this, these costumes, all the all the material, right? All, all the makeup and hair and and, and clo- I mean, this it's basically it's, it's like. It's basically like the, the kind of um, what you see. used to see at Halloween for like a couple of months beforehand. Yeah. It's year-round now.
2: Right. And we, uh, Habibi and I, were talking to somebody and just how cheap. you. If you really know how to do cosplay, you can do it on the cheap. My whole steampunk costume cost me 40 bucks at Salvation Army and other little things. If you know how to do it, you come up with a fantastic look, even for a, a known character relatively cheap if you just know what to do, if you know the craft stores and how to mm-hmm. and just you can I mean you can still make it look like you spent hundreds of dollars
0: yeah. on it. Well like you, I did the greatest American hero today for the uh, cosplay contest and
1: it was it cost me twenty bucks in fabric. Yeah. Okay. It's nothing. Right. Or you could be me who goes down to the costume store and buys a two hundred and fifty dollar medieval leather jacket out. Right. Yeah. Okay. But you know, I'm not gonna wear that thing for the next well, until I die, okay? And then my son will get to wear it because we're basically the same size. Yeah. So, you know, it's because it, it's really fine quality. Oh, it's nice. real leather. It's, it's been done right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's not something cheap that's going to fall apart. So that's good, you know. And that's, so I'm, I'm really excited to see this change, you know, where Gen Con has gotten all these people into costuming, great costume contests, people walking around just, you know, having a lot of fun. Almost no booth babes. In the dealer's room this year, too. Well, I saw three at one. Okay. They were they were they were basically their. Yeah, I, I mean, saw. them they the, the, together myself. Right. Yeah, yeah, they were they were the Uber, you know, soda pop games. Was that what it was? Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, they well, were the real big brusted nice... Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, I say there were three that were basically your your you know your your male real. fantasy type mm-hmm. things. But then I was over at the Kai, uh, Kaiser Company, and I don't know whether they're their daughters. It could be their daughters. I don't want I don't want to say anything bad about them right really. And I'm not. I'm saying, but they were all dressed in like a costume. Right. You know. With, um, you know, with with like knee and the knee wraps and all, it was just kind of like a costume, and I was like, I didn't, I, I was, didn't really want to press too much because I didn't know whether they were in costume or Fair not. Enough. But they were like three girls, they were all teenagers, and maybe the earliest in their early twenties, and they were run, running the booth down there, and I was like, you know, it was nice. It was, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a. "Quote slutty costume." It was it was a nice, interesting costume, and uh, I'd like to know more if they if they were actually doing that. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing you know the, we're literally seeing the kids now of gamers, who running stores down you know in and and taking over for their dads and and moms. I don't want to you know and. Because you know, gaming's always been a kind of a male-dominated hobby. Yeah. But But you know, the power—we all know that the person who uh, half the time who balances the books is is the uh, is the spouse. So you know, that's where the real money is, as we all know.
2: We we have noticed, I mean, Habibi and I coming down here for the past three years, and then before that with Amber Rowe. Mm-hmm. Gen Con has each year become a little bit less of a male-dominated thing. Not just because of the cosplayers. And not just because oh, I'm bringing my girlfriend, and she'll like the spouse to me. No, there are women here. They're getting into the games. They're getting into the, 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 the cosplay of their own accord, not just to hang out yeah. with a boyfriend. And that it, it's not an encroaching on the male-dominated. But it's just they're getting more into it. We're getting fresh blood, new
1: blood, new ideas, right. and that's great. I'd like it to be encroaching because it's—it's it's been silly that it's been such a male patriarchal thing. thing yeah, oh, yeah. And, and unfortunately, the the RPG side of it still is in a lot of cases, and that's where—and that's I think that's one thing that's hurting us because over in the um, you know the the electronic gaming side is 50-50. We are, in in some cases, higher. We know that. Okay, they got the statistics out there, okay, but in the in the tabletop RPG, it's still primarily male-dominated, and I'd like there to be more because it's not like they're doing, you know, medieval, uh, you know, miniature battles, you know, mm-hmm. which is what was the true male dominated yeah. thing. Okay, you know, practically go down to the man's club and, you, you know... Chainmail, yeah. Do, do, chain and, mail. Do, and, do, and do the Battle of the Bulge, okay? I mean, we're talking fantasy here. We're talking about, you know, uh, you know well, you know, all the different games. I mean, uh, and Werewolf did a great job of, oh, yeah. and, and Vampire and White Wolf. Of bringing women into it, and I'd like to see them to continue to go for equality in that and promote tabletop RPG. How many, okay, in your gaming groups, how many women do you have? In my particular gaming group, zero. Ah, oh, mine is zero. But I've had more. I've had in the past, but they always always came as a spouse, as, as a boyfriend girlfriend.
2: Actually, in mine, about the, I got the Friday, Sunday, and then all day and Saturday a lot of them lap over. I've got two of them in all three. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like, I would have to say, my current gamers, I'd have to say about half of them are female. Yeah. See, I
0: and find does. it interesting. Our, our My home group is all men, but when I'm running groups at conventions like a Total Con or yeah. here yeah. or Dragon Con or wherever, it's half women, yeah.
1: if not more women. Yeah.
0: I think that's pretty great. Consistently.
1: Now, is the subject matter um, uh, different between the two groups?
0: The home group is more adult-oriented. I, I yeah. tend to edit myself when I'm in well, yeah. public, but, okay. yeah. I'm just saying is it, you know, it's... We're still doing 7C, or we're doing Fringe Worthy, okay. or we're doing, uh, right. you know, Pathfinder. But it's not going to rain
2: anything in due to different genders being there. You'll still... No. Know. Yeah. We run
0: with the same game. Right. It's just I might edit the words that I okay. use. Okay, right,
2: and
1: and I think and I think you're right. Okay, I just asked the question because when we had uh, Jess Hartley on, oh, she right. made a big point about the fact that there isn't actually a gender difference between mm-hmm. gamers. It's okay. their perception that there is, but the truth of the matter is there isn't. Women like to play raunchy characters as much as they like to play right. pretty characters. Males like to do the same thing. You take a male character and you give him a female character nine times out of ten you going to be very interested on how people perceive them, not going to want to sleep with everybody. I mean, it's going to be like you'd expect a female character to be, you know. And actually, most of the male characters are the same way. They don't actually go down to the bar and hit mm-hmm. hit all the prostitutes down at the bar. Yeah. They're interested in being noble and, and, and doing noble things. And if the GM introduces, you know, a, a possible love interest, they're going to be wooed. They're not going to be, you know, thrown, you know, th- uh, dragged into the back alley and bent over an apple yeah. barrel. Because most people are decent people, and they don't want to do that. They, you know, they're not looking for that kind of a, uh, uh, outlet.
0: Well, I think most gamers are also story driven. They want to build the story. Right. They're not just there to roll the dice. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: they're story driven. I mean, it depends. Some want to do the story driven as far like you have the face people and you have the guys who want, well, yeah, I'm making this thing. Yeah. And then you have the combat monsters. But yeah, they're still all propeller, propelling the story just in different modes. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, I like that how they are
1: story driven because
2: they all, it's a cooperative experience. You all are there to help make this story. It's just the Game Master is the one kind of, you know.
1: Yeah, it. right. Yeah. I find that when in my games, whenever I give them an opportunity to be more uh, talky versus combative, the players jump in with full force. Oh, yeah. you know? So it's and, and so in a lot of cases, it's actually the scenario that makes the difference. The scenario doesn't have any kind of interaction besides fighting somebody, an antagonist, that's all you. That's all we ever see in the game, you know, and I notice that the players tend to be very mechanistic about it, not actually that much interaction amongst each other, but whenever there's an opportunity for them to interact with people, then they get a little bit more social, they start making jokes with each other, so I think it's all a good thing, and it should be encouraged in games. The
2: game tonight they watered my eyes with their interaction. They were cracking jokes in character, and I'm leaning against well, I just thought, I'm like, you broke the GM, just give me a minute. (laughs) So yeah, they really just, once I gave them something to go on, it was a a chase. And they just were bickering in the Colorado, the Bureau 13 game, while one guy's doing this, and the doing this, and they're failing roles, the other guy's grabbing the wheel, like, no, I'll help drive, you know, aid another. It was just this close of just falling apart into total chaos. But it was all of them interacting in character, and we all had a great time because of it.
0: Did you guys uh, follow RNGM this year? at no, all? No, no. No? Somebody at RNGM got his group to agree to play Fringeworthy. Oh, cool.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> well, well, Trav, tell us about the games you ran.
2: Okay, I ran the second installment of the Maze World campaign that I brought here last year, created by my friend Gina. That was Thursday night. Friday night, I ran my third installment of the Fringes of Galarian, basically Fringeworthy in the Pathfinder setting. And then tonight, from four to nine, I ran Talbot's Raiders, which is Bureau 13 mixed with Fringeworthy, with, I use all the OGL Pathfinder rules, so they were all, but yeah, that one was the first one, and it went off exceedingly well. The other two are more established campaigns, so I have to like bring, I gotta remember, okay, what happened last year, and fill in the current players at characters. So yeah, I did those, and they games all went off swimmingly, just fantastically, not a
1: hitch. The first game I ran was Bureau 13 with a scenario called Here There Be Monsters, which is where they kind of get thrown, they get trapped in a town along with the townspeople, and monsters keep getting thrown at them as as a kind of an alien. Um, intelligence test. It, it was a, a lot of fun to see them. They, they, they we started off with a, a lot of colorful characters, and you know they had a lot of uh, interaction with each other as well as you know going after the, you know trying to solve the problem. Okay, uh, they didn't. They actually almost eliminate all of the monsters as their means because the two ways of doing, uh, of winning the scenario is a eliminate all the encounters. Okay, which is hard to do in a four-hour time period. Okay, and the and the second way of doing it is to actually figure is actually figuring out why it's happening, and then trying to find a nexus for what might be generating all these encounters and taking care of that. So they never did that. They actually just. Uh, uh, went through and cleaned out all the monsters, and that was that. Was that. And, um, and I said, well, you know, just think about it. If you were an alien and, and you saw this was how these people reacted, what would be your evaluation of human humankind? Mm-hmm. You know, that they actually solved almost all their problems with violence. Though they didn't, because when they ran into the Medusa, they actually realized that she wasn't necessarily a bad person and they actually asked her you know what she was doing there and they found out that she had no idea what she was doing there she had been you know she'd been plucked from her time and space and thrown in there and basically you know in front of a whole bunch of people that were scaring her and so she stoned them and they said well can you turn them back She says oh yeah yeah as long as I don't do X or Y they'll be fine you know and they said well why don't you stay here and watch over these people and make sure nothing else happens to their stone body? and we'll come back later and you can release them and we'll make sure you get back where you're going." She said, well, that'd be great. And, you know, they also thought later on that maybe they should go back and grab her when they ran into some tougher monsters. <laughs> maybe she could be helpful, you know, but they, they did it on their own and that was good. So that was that scenario. And then uh, on Friday, that, uh, that was the one where I had, a, uh, I had five players and four of them were in a family. And it was the hardwire Hinterland, it was called Escape from Lizard Woods, where they're trying to get these people whose resource base has been attacked by dinosaurs off to another resource base successfully. And uh, that one was, was actually uh, one of those situations where you know, somebody kind of like, you know, they, they got frustrated, they started pulling guns. And, and not against, the, the, not against the, the dinosaurs, against actually the people. Because it, as, in that scenario, somebody in that research group has something that's attracting the dinosaurs, and so and he do, and this character doesn't want to give up that information because it's valuable, you know. And so they had and so they were going to basically going to threaten this person and all this stuff, and and they finally ended up. Uh, uh, literally, just they just knocked him out and searched his stuff and found what they were looking for and destroyed it or did whatever and, and, and they resolved the scenario. So it was like, you know, non-violence turned out. I mean, semi-non-violence turned out to be the best way. But they also had came aware of the fact that some people, you know, you could push them so far, you can intimidate them so far, but then there's a point where they're going to say, no, this is too important to me. Even I, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to fight for it you know, and so when the one guy started to pull a gun, this guy was pulling a gun too, you know, because he wasn't going to give up his stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was only because they were, you know, smart enough to have multiple people and they literally knocked him in the back of the head when he did that. Oh. And uh, Which was good because the other guy probably would have shot him, yeah. you know. So anyway, so that was the second scenario. And then the last scenario, which really is a, a complete, you know, shoot em up, is they're all dead in uh, New York City which is um, based upon, is fringe-worthy, and it's based upon uh, one of the prime worlds, that's like negative three, where it's a zombie Earth. Okay. And in this particular scenario, they've been sent to New York City to find an alien biosequencing device that was taken from a laboratory in Mongolia where this, this plague originated. And saying, we need that in order to reverse it, to be able to figure out how it was, how it was done and stop it. And so they had to fly all the way to New York City Fight their you know, uh, well, not actually. Fighting was not necessary because they gave them all kinds of stealth capability, and then they put them there and, say, and they had to stop themselves from doing the normal thing which was to shoot everything in sight until finally they they, they just said okay I can't stand anymore and they just started, they started throwing grenades everywhere and it got a big running gun for the last hour of the of the game and the big mo- the, there was the big mo- you know giant monster at the end for them to fight and they were supposed to do that and then they blew out the wall of the building and grabbed the helicopter and flew away with the device so they had it both ways for a while there they were doing really good at being quiet and and, and covert and stuff like that that and it was really creepy for them because they're sneaking by these things that that can hurt them, really hurt them bad. Because in the the scenario, in Fringeworthy, most of the time if you get a, a disease. You walk through the fringe portal, and it's it's gone. Well, that was true in this thing, but they were a thousand miles, three thousand miles oh, away from a portal, yeah. and there was no way of doing that. So if they got injured, if they got bitten by one of these zombies, they would be zombified before they oh, yeah. could get back, and it would be permanent. You know, and so they were like, oh, okay. We... So is so finally, at the end, they really was seriously running gun. You know, because they were literally firing and everything and moved. You know, and. Again, that was fun. Okay, so those are the three things that I ran and all the players had a great time doing it. They all said they did. And uh, I thought they did. Uh, it was great with the family because it was the first time they'd ever played. Most people, it was the first time they'd ever played one of the two. games. Too. Yeah. I got a lot of newbies too. I a lot
2: of newbies also with yeah. Pathfinder.
1: So I was Ladies. trying my very yeah. best to hand out flyers yeah. and say, please, you know, contact us. And I was giving out the gift certificates. Oh, yeah. And we're like, you know, and I hope that drives some business. Uh, I hope these people actually, you know, has a good enough time with the games that they're going to pursue it. Well, so I would hope so. My, as I posted, my second game,
2: I got a round of applause for mine. I was like, thank you, okay. <laughs> and I was giving out That's the awesome. information and just, yeah. And of course I post, I know my gamers get back and be like, yeah, well, really? You expect
1: us to know? I mean, right.
2: But I did. I. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, this
1: is the site to go to to get these games, right. and you can adapt them to whatever yeah. system you use, or pick yeah. your own system. And, right. and one of the biggest hits, every session that it was, is something we, I've added like a couple years ago, and that's your deck of uh, Clockwork Drama oh, cards. Oh, yes. Every person gets five drama cards, and they get to play one of them during the game. And it's amazing. You know, once they, they get an idea, actually start realizing what they could do with these cards, they start going like crazy. You know, they they the I mean the, the dragon was attacking the uh, the Colorado RV, right. and after the after they knocked it out, they used the card to make the dragon disintegrate, and they, and therefore got rid of, you know, it, it said something blows up. So okay. the dragon blew up and disintegrated, <laughs> and uh, and that and that was a whole great. I mean, that was a huge evidence dispersal problem. Right, and it, it vanished. It was gone. I was like, okay, look at that. You know, That's and awesome. other people did other things like, um, oh. Um, you know, you know, somebody would like you know, totally change their point of view. You know, if you had a, a, a the, and the final one on the on, they're all dead. Three, this one guy because he knew it was the end of the scenario. Mm-hmm. He did the sacrifice card, which is where you die, but you take out the big bad. You know. Well,
0: you know, if you guys are ever interested, I'm more than happy to design you a tri Tritac specific mm-hmm. version of the deck. Ooh. I mean, we design that deck for every game
1: system we go to. Right. Yeah, and I always tell the people that you you know, be real, we're all going to be real flexible about these cards, you yeah. know, because they were designed for every possible game system. So, but yeah, everyone's been just really happy with them, and and it's, it's I, I like to see you know when they start saying, can I use this card to do this, <laughs> and I'm like, sure you can, you know. Usually it's kind of uh, sometimes I say no because right. they're misunderstanding the card in the sense like you are supposed to be like what was a chase card, and they tried to use it because they were looking for a monster. And I said, no, it's, or, or somebody. And I said, yeah. no, it's not. But that that's that's the only time that I run into, into issues with it. They've, they really liked it. They liked the, the agency it gives them. Uh, it, it helps them out of a, a lot of situations where they, they think, because they're not experienced with these kinds of games, yeah. they think, you know, they don't know how to Get to the next step and this helps the bridge to the next step. So it's been a great help Steve. I'm yeah. really, really happy you gave us copies of these. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that it's being used. Yeah, and I tell every one of them, says, go buy this because <laughs> this is re- this will really change your game around, yeah. you know. Well, you know, the PDF copies of it are the only ones available anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, they're still good. They print, <laughs> they play, you know, it doesn't well. they, and that's, that's fine too. So uh, so that was what I saw. Is there any one thing you saw at the uh, convention that you thought was really, you know, great and amazing? Mm, something that you know would really, you know, I mean, something that, um, a new product or anything like that that you might, or just something you saw that says, you know, I gotta come back next year and, uh, and for that.
2: I saw it. I saw what it was, but I didn't get the brand so I can't hawk the brand, but basically you can make your own music for background music. Oh, in a I have
1: game. that. I can give you the brand. Yeah okay, I, I, I saw that and I'm like... Is that the one where they had, like, it come up and help us make the background music yes. and they had all yeah. these microphones That back?
2: is great because usually I'm using, like, soundtrack music. That's it, right there. sirenscape yes, that is that, yes. S-Y-R-I-N-Scape. And Steve has it here on his phone and yeah, that's, he's got the sci-fi thing going. Yeah, it
0: is really cool. It's, uh because you can use it for, like, every special effect imaginable. And you can also use it to set up, like, uh, where it'll do a loop, like let's say you're having a big battle in a bar. A playlist, yeah. It, it'll play the background noise of the bar, the fight going on, the blaster sounds, oh, the yeah. side sounds of swords going on, the occasional scream, and it'll loop it all in such a way that you don't even realize that it's really looping. It's really good. We use this in our game
1: right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, for me, it was, um, it was the gamer tables. I mean, oh, was I the nice oh, oh, yeah. they donated, I, I, get, I hope for, I'm assuming it was use, they donated the use of those ta- uh, the, the, the low end of those tables to the food court down, mm-hmm. down the it. mall, and they had like maybe 20 of them. So there were extra tables there for people to eat at that mm-hmm. normally they, because they're always like, this is, convention gets getting bigger and bigger, and it's really, really hard sometimes to get yeah. food. But the other tables, unbelievably nice. I mean, we're talking really high quality I mean you know maple inlays and just the artistry that's going into these tables it's it's not just something you'd stick in your basement like the like the yeah. everyone always you know makes the fun of, of the gamers this is stuff that you'd want as your dinner table oh yeah yeah if you really
0: want to see them if uh, you go on YouTube and look up shark tank shark they were on shark tank two years ago oh, okay. and shark tank they the, all the people on that said no to it and they I really think they really missed the ball there. The, those tables are phenomenal. Oh
2: yeah, I caught the glimpse yeah. of one in the dealers room. Just oh, gorgeous. Yeah.
0: Uh, for me, it would be uh, Mars Attacks. The it's, miniatures game. The miniatures game. That was sweet. I I played that and I have to say it was one of the most fun games, figure games mm-hmm. that I've played in a very long time. Based on the movie and the comic. Yes. Oh, wow. It's actually it's based on the old uh, the Mars Attacks trading cards okay, from the yeah, 1980s, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so the, the base game is $80, and you get Martians and you get soldiers, and that's pretty much it, and you just yeah. have your battle. But then they have all these expansions they've come out with, and this was a Kickstarter a few years ago, mm-hmm. and the expansions are adding things like uh, Martian flyers, it's, oh, at, wow. uh, it's adding things like uh, mutated
1: monsters the Martians are creating, mm-hmm. all types of specialized soldiers, it's really cool. Yeah. See now, I've been going to Gen Con all the way back to when Gen Con was over at Wisconsin Parkside, right, okay. you know, north of, um, you know, over there where you know the TSR had their offices. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and when I first went to that, I mean, they had this huge amount of table space that they of course had for Dungeons and Dragons. That was like, you know, that was like nine. seemed like nine percent of it. However, they had these two whole entire halls that was nothing but miniature battles. Where all the old guard. I mean, you know, the, the guys who were into miniature combat mm-hmm. and things like that. That did and chain mail before it became... Right. TV. Well, not, right. T- no, no, not chain mail. I'm talking about, you know, doing the Battle of the Bulge and doing... T- oh, t- war gaming miniatures. Real war one, gaming yeah. Was, yeah. Part, was part of Gen Con. It was it an was essential part. And uh, it, it fell away. I mean, it did really... I haven't
2: heard anybody of doing the war gaming miniatures in decades. Right. I, mean, I don't think it
1: existed. Anymore. Well, it does. But see the point is is that it became smaller and smaller yeah. and then we saw Mage Knight come out. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden people were doing all these battle mats and moving mm-hmm. these miniatures basically around with clicks and stuff like that. This year there was a ginormous hall that was nothing but people with doing miniature battles. Yes. Not you know, not the old traditional, but the fact they were still miniature battles. Yeah. yeah. They were still doing that, and that was a, a basically a resurgence. They've reinvented themselves, and to a point where people want to play them. They love the ki- the miniatures. They love the rules are simple enough or engaging enough. One of the two.
2: I was talking to somebody today, just you know, waiting and charging my phone in the main hall near the dealers room. This lady came up, and she this is her first Gen Con. Uh, Alicia was her name. And how she got into all this. Her husband is the geek, he's the hard guard, but she loves painting start hammer miniatures and she just tears it up. Nice. So now she's getting into this and just she's realizing mm-hmm. just what she's gotten herself into, and I always like, yeah, I've been, this is my fourth Gen Con, yeah, you're yeah. gonna find something new the entire time. Yeah, usually most people, miniatures, most of us gamers, we think Warhammer 40k, that's the Main one, and then it have got like ten generations of it, where you buy it, and all your old miniatures are useless, mm-hmm. so and it's sitting on your shelf.
1: But yeah, there's and they're awesome. really, really expensive. Yeah, yes. I yeah my one. That's why I never got into it. It was just them. too yeah. expensive to get into. Yeah. But
2: yeah, I, that's what we mostly think of. The first thing that comes to mind: Warhammer Forty K. And just now, apparently, there's all these other miniature games. Including things like the hero clicks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I'm a big miniature gamer. I have about 10,000 miniatures in the world. And like, uh, I, like going to
0: the, I don't know if you guys have ever been to TotalCon up in New England. It's uh, it's almost all tabletop gaming, it's not role playing, mm-hmm. it's board games and miniatures. Oh, okay. I okay. mean, they do things like uh, Ben Hur, oh, where it's the entire stage. Is the game board, and you get up there and you're moving your figures around, and they're they're like bigger than an
1: iPhone, oh. and you're doing yeah. the race. I mean, it is yeah. so cool. I, I, I remember one year they did Ben Hur here at Gen Con. Okay. Yeah, but that but it's <laughs> been decades. Okay. So I'm great. Glad to hear that. That's super. Okay. So anything else that's really you know hits you about Gen Con, other than of course the terrible parking
2: baby <laughs> said, I told her, yeah, $50 million was made at Gen Con last year, and we're driving up yesterday, March. Ago. Yeah, a third of it was just in parking alone. I'm like, last year you... Bruce and I walked through the dealer's room, and he did a survey of how many zombie things were out there. And you came up with a list of, like, what, 20 things? 20 to 30, yeah. Yeah, and not just role-playing games, like... Just anything zombie car, related. Card
1: game, I mean, and that was of course the year where they the, the, everyone kind of acknowledged the fact that The Walking Dead was a big thing, and there yeah. were at least five games that were Walking Dead related.
2: I only saw two or three things, so yeah, it's there, it's made its mark, but just it's not the prevalent thing this year. Yeah. What it? it I never caught one thing that was just, oh my god, this is all consuming in the comics. It seemed like a stuff to me. Going through Ooh. there, I saw at least okay. 15
0: different Cthulhu oriented games yeah. that I had never um, seen
2: before. Yeah, now you mentioned, it's okay. late for Can me, folks. Give me a bit. Yeah, and, and just, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I did see them right. average, but not as big
1: as I'm. And Call of Cthulhu has come out with its seventh edition, right? Mm-hmm. is not it? I really don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think they, <laughs> did, they came out. Re- Within the last year or so, okay. and, and see, there's always a lag because yeah. when someone does that, and also, and there's been some. Cthulhu, and everybody tries to keep up with the Jones. Right, but yeah. there's been Cthulhu movies that people have been mm-hmm. successfully able to do through, you know, and and some shorts and stuff like that. Card so. games were also are really big this yeah. year. There's a lot more casual gaming. All and yeah. keeps getting more and more and more, well, which I, of course, I don't like because I'm a tabletop gamer and I want people to commit to four hours.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, um, I've gotten into, of course, Dominion. I got the new expansion that they put out, Adventures, and also uh, Upper Deck puts out Legendary, which is the D- or the Marvel role-playing game. The Legendary Secret Wars came out, and so, of course, snagged it, and just the line for that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Fantasy Flight Games here, at Gen Con had a, was it, Netrunner Deck of Destiny, one of Habibi's friends wanted it. The line was so big, the Fire Marshal said, no, Go. Because there were that many people in the mm-hmm. line, so I think card games are really hitting it big this year. Yeah. If you're having to disperse due to the fire marshal,
1: yeah, people and not want and not games. collectible mm-hmm. card games, thank goodness. Yeah, you know, know
2: well, no magic is still big. I've been through that. It long. is,
1: but I mean, it, you know, there's there's a lot of games coming out that are like, here's the game,
2: you're and deck here build. they're deck building.
1: Yeah, oh, and 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 but and here's a supplement for the game, right. and you can buy the game and the supplements, and you can enjoy the game yeah. without having to feel like you're constantly having to Find reinvent your, yourself. Right. Well,
2: Dominion, I've got about three hundred twenty dollars invested in that. So yeah, it gets to be a little expensive, but like legendary. Netrunner, Dominion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I'm blanking on the others. But yeah, card gaming, I'm just seeing right now just the deck-building games. Because Cortozoic also- does DC's version. They've got like two or three supplements that mm-hmm. came out this year, I saw Yeah, I think card building is just right now one of the big things this year.
1: Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of people being a lot more promotional. I mean, people are actually making the effort at conventions to go and and, and run gaming rooms where people are there to show people how to play the games rather than just having that room where people go and play games who'd like to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're actually saying, come on in, let me show you this. I'm in line
2: with a lady who had one of her friend's kids. This kid was eight and doing demos. An eight-year-old girl was <laughs> teaching other people how to play this game, That's and awesome.
0: I'm just like... And doing it better than most yeah. of us, yeah. 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 Did you guys see Battlecasters? I
2: passed no? by and I didn't catch
0: okay. It. Okay. Uh, the This lady wrote a book. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but uh, it's, a, it's a teen-oriented book, okay. fantasy novel. Yeah, YA. Kind y- of a very popular y- like yeah. you know? And uh, she decided, let, what's the best way to promote the book? Let's make a video game geared on the book. So she made a iPhone and Android-based card game that only works when you're at a convention. And the map of the convention is uploaded into the game and you have to complete the quest through the convention which takes you to specific booths or specific locations where
2: you then battle with the cards. It's a smartphone-based scavenger hunt.
0: Yes, it is so cool. I have it on my phone. Wow. I interviewed her. I was really impressed with the uh, with the the concept. Yeah. You know, um, and what it is is they use Bluetooth tokens that they put transmitters throughout the convention center,
1: and it works on the Bluetooth on your phone. Just, wow. Wow. <laughs> And it's we and the RPGers are going to have us step up our game. Yeah, Definitely. Oh, <laughs> and, the, and the game is completely free. That's the best part. Yeah. Oh. No money. Great. All right, well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah. We're going to have our regular TriTag Games podcast coming out to you, but we want to do this special one while we're here, and uh, we'll be seeing you all next week. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
0: This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the tri Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucka, you best attribute this to the folks at tri Games, and if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers.